0: That's why he's pursuing you so hard. And that's why he's created a beautiful path for you to walk down. So you can realize who you are. Realize what you can do. Realize all the things that he's blessed you with. And the opportunity to grow and to be better. No matter what you did. You could have lied to someone. You could have hurt somebody. You could have ended things. You could have ruined a marriage. You could have ruined your relationship with your brother, your sister, your your parents, your own kids. Or maybe things happened to you. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you lost a limb or maybe a few. Maybe someone hurt you really badly. Maybe you look like this hundred dollar bill right now, but yet God made you specifically in his image. There's nothing you can do or have done that would stop you from him pursuing you. Soundstripe. Hey guys, welcome to the Lord I Need You podcast. I'm your host, actually, not your host, I'm your messenger. The host is Jesus Christ. But the messenger is Castro Jacob Shesto. That is me. I'm your guy. But welcome, guys, welcome to the Lord I Need You podcast. It's been a minute. This is episode 9. Now, I know it's going to sound confusing that this came after episode 10, but your boy messed up. Your boy messed up big time. Uh, I thought it was episode 10, it wasn't, it was episode 9, last episode, the uh, Not Rain, what is it, what is it exactly? Um, Life's Not Rainbows and Unicorns, I thought that was episode 10, but it was actually episode 9, so now we're just replacing it, so this is going to be episode 9, so we're taking a step back, but uh, definitely a good episode, definitely want to check episode 10 out for sure, but episode 9 is titled Get Out of the Mental Quicksand. Because that's where uh, your boy was struggling for the beginning of this week, man. I was struggling. I was putting myself in a mental quicksand, and I just was sinking slowly. Um, And I know that there's going to be people out there that are feeling the same way. So that's why I'm here, and the Lord asked me to speak on it. So I have some firsthand experience, and I think we've all experienced it in some form or another. So why not talk about it? Why not get some help? Why not know what God has to say about it? So that's what we're here to do. Now, before we jump into the episode, we're going to put in some plugs um just so we can get this out there to as many people as possible get it over and done with so we don't have to listen to it at the end of this end of the episode so you can find the lord i need you podcast anywhere you can find it on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, wherever you listen stitcher wherever you listen to your podcast it will be there now if the lord is leading you um i would love for you guys to leave comments follow it share it like it Whatever you want to do, give me some, give me some good feedback on it. If what I should do better, what I shouldn't, whatever. If the Lord is leading you, go ahead and do it. I'm not pressuring you to do it at all. But uh, I would love it. I would personally love it. And if you love me, I mean, why don't you just show your love? Why not? Come on. But before we get started, let's pray, and then we'll jump right in. So, if you are able, please bow your heads, close your eyes, put your hands together as we speak to the big man. Dear Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this time we get to spend with you. Father, we pray that you open up our heart, soul, and mind so we may hear your voice, may hear what you have to say to us today in this episode, on this podcast, because there's a reason why they're here listening. And there's a reason why I'm sitting here speaking it, Father. I pray that if they're on the road or if they're moving about in any kind of way that you're keeping them safe so that they can hear Um, and father, I pray for me specifically that when it comes to sharing the words that you have given me, that I share them in a spiritual way, in the way you want me to share. And if I'm not, father, close my mouth. Um, But if I am, Lord, let it come out smoothly. Um, and may it hit the ears of those who need to hear it, father. We love you so much. Can't wait to get out of this quicksand with you, father. And in Jesus name, amen. So let's dive right in. So there's this guy. So there's this guy that works for the government kind of like a CIA but it's not the CIA he works for this a special unit within the government that um, is not to be named and so his job is to really get rid of bad guys um, as you can imagine and so right now he's trying to find a bad guy and he ended up locating him and he located him on his yacht out in the middle of the ocean and so being part of the United States government he's able to you know he's able to do whatever he wants. He gets all the bells and whistles, so he's able to get out to that yacht, and he's going in there to get rid of the bad guy, and the mission ends up going wrong, and so since the mission ends up going wrong, he jumps. He's trying to get off the yacht, so he's running out. Jump. Why he's jumping out of the yacht? He takes two rounds, two shots right to the back. He gets shot in the back twice, and I don't know if the shots did it or if him smacking the water, because you know the higher you go, the more water acts like cement. Um, but he's out. He gets knocked out cold, right? So he's in the ocean. Luckily, he had a he had a vest on, but he's out in the ocean, knocked out cold, and he didn't get the job done. But luckily, by the grace of God, uh, kind of one of those big commercial fishing boats comes cruising by and see him. They pick him up, and at this time, he's still knocked out cold. And I don't know the time frame between how long it was he was in the water to when he got pulled out. But these these commercial fishermen take him put him in the boat and they see, you know, they see the two gunshot wounds in his back. And so they're like, well, why he's out, why don't we try to fix him? And so they end up pulling the pulling the slugs, um, pulling the rounds out of his back. And he's still knocked out cold. Um, but they end up sewing him up and getting him better and trying to nurse him back to health. Now, as he's getting nursed back to health, he ends up waking up. Now, when he wakes up, obviously you'd be freaking out in the moment because he doesn't know where he's at. Right. He doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know how he got there. Right. He's kind of all all kind of a blur. And so what they realize is that he now has amnesia because he doesn't remember anything. And so they're trying to give him things to do because they're like, well, why don't you wait until we get to port? Once we get to port, then we'll try to figure out who you are. But uh, he's like, here's some stuff to try to jog your memory, right? And so he's trying all the different kinds of things to jog his memory to kind of realize who he is again. And they realize it's a lot worse than he thought because he can like tie knots together and things like that. But he doesn't know how he can – he doesn't know – how he knew to do it, right? He just kind of did it. And so the head fisherman's kind of like, "Oh, it's going to be fine. You're going to be fine. It's got all kind of come back." And he's getting really frustrated because now it's been a now it's been a full week and he still has no idea who he is. Like it's serious, serious. He doesn't not just know what happened to him, he doesn't know his own name. He doesn't know who he is, he doesn't know where he came from, he doesn't know what he does for a living. He has no idea who he is at all. And so as this fisherman just, "Oh, it's fine." You're going to be fine. And it was really making him angry. And so he takes him by the shoulders and he shakes him and he yells in his face, I don't know who I am. Now, if you didn't pick up where the st- where I got the story from, I got it from uh, a movie. It's a movie series. It's called The Bourne Series. Um, and I highly suggest you watch The Bourne Series. It is awesome. It's a great movie. Um, Jason Bourne is the main character played by Matt Damon. Awesome movie series, but at the same time I'm using this this scene. It's the very first scene in the very first movie. And I'm using it because everyone in their lifetime will ask themselves that same question. We might not get shot in the back. I hope, I pray that you never get shot in the back. But we all get to this question, one way or another. Who am I? I know grown adults that are and grandparents that don't even know who they are. Like they've worked all their life, they've tried all their life to find out who they are and are they worthy? You know, are they worth anything? And all these big big questions that we're going to start asking ourselves in our lifetime is, am I worthy? Who am I? Which I've said over and over already. Uh, Things I wish I did, things I should do, what I shouldn't have done. All these questions that we can get fumbled up with and just kind of destroy ourselves with them because we're just wondering and wondering, yet never find the answer. We're like a hamster on one of those spinning wheels, right? They run on it as fast as they can, as hard as they can. They're running and running and running forever, but yet it's just a circle and they never go anywhere. They're in one spot running as fast as they can. That's exactly what we do in our lives because we think we'll find the answer and then, no, that's not it. And so we hop right back on the wheel and keep spinning. But yet in Psalms 139, the book of Psalms chapter 139 in the word, The Lord answers these questions because He answered the questions through His perspective, not our perspective, not the earthly perspective, but the God of the universe perspective answers these questions and is helping us get out of that quicksand. So, for all of us that have asked those questions, because I was literally asking those questions on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday Who am I? Lord, I don't even know who I am anymore. This is ridiculous. I don't want to follow this anymore. I need. I, I. feel like a nobody going nowhere. And I found one, Psalms 139. And the four different truths that he gives us to help us get out of that mental quicksand. And we're going to dive into each one of those today. So let's dive into the first one right now. And it's going to be in Psalms 139, verses 1 through 6. So I'm going to read that real quick right now. So verse 1. O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down and stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say, even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. Now, I hope you were able to pick up on what I'm trying to lay down here as I was trying to emphasize these certain words. The Lord, the first one that the Lord showed me of the truth of getting us out of this quicksand of these questions is that God knows you. He knows you. I mean, I know, we, and I know we've said in in uh, in church and stuff, oh, God knows you, and you know we've said this phrase before, but yet we kind of just gloss over. It's like yeah, He knows us, whatever. You know, but this is a big deal. We're talking about the God of the universe here saying that he knows you. And he doesn't just hey, he knows you like ice cream. It's not that. He knows who you are. Right? We ask these questions, who am I? Am I worthy? He knows the answers to those questions because he knows you. I mean, you might think you know your 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 parents or your siblings or your best friend, and you probably really, really, really know your your spouse, right? Especially if you've been married for 50 years, right? You definitely know them. All them combined don't even come close to how much knowledge God has about you. And I know this all kind of seems, well, duh, Casper. But at the same time, we we just pass over these things. because we're And yet we're still asking her this same question, who am I? And yet we have a God of the universe that we can talk to and ask, who am I? And yet we don't ask him. Why don't we ask him? He's right there. He's right there to listen. He knows who we are better than anyone. He knows better than you. You might know yourself best, but he knows you better than best. He created you after all. But I want to take a specific look at verse 5, where it says, You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Now that, what David's saying there, is back then in the Hebrew culture... <clears throat> a father would place his hand over his son's heads and then just kind of word vomit blessings all over them. Right. You saw this in the um, Jacob and Esau story where their father tried to bless Esau and then ended up blessing Jacob. But this was a big, a big moment, a big significant moment for the young man getting blessed because it was kind of like a, like a manhood stamp on you when he would bless you by your head and then send you out into the world. Right. Now, I've had that personal experience where, and I think every man, no matter if he tells you or not, kind of yearns for that blessing from their father of either you're you're a man or I love you, son. You know, we all kind of yearn for that as as young men. I can't speak for the ladies, but uh, I had that experience when I was 18 and it wasn't because I was 18, you know, turning 18, but on my birthday... My dad looked at me and we were going through a hard time. And what I didn't know, we were going to continue going through a hard time together, you know, in our relationship. But, man, this was a highlight moment where I was 18 and my dad looks at me and he goes, son, I don't remember exactly what he said, but I knew, you know, what the conversation was. He goes, son, my boy, he goes, what I've seen, what I know to be what a man is and what I've seen in you, I know now, I know that you're a man. And I, I, when my dad said that to me, man, I don't care if I was a boy or a man, tears were coming either way. <laughs> and So I started going, I oh, start bawling, right? Because <clears throat> I finally got that kind of approval that, hey, my dad thinks I'm a man, you know? And as a kid, that's what you look up to. You look up to your dad as the man, right? Um, And then he knows how big of an important it was to him. And so he knows how it is to be in my seat. So he starts crying. And so now two grown men... Are crying and hugging each other. The most manly thing you will ever seen. But, uh, yeah, and so, you know, in the same way the Hebrews did it back then, we still kind of have it now. But what's never left is that it all came from the Lord, because that's exactly what the Lord does to us, right? He puts his hand over his child, and he wants to bless you. And he knows you so well that he's going to give you the best blessings. He knows you better than he knows yourself, better than anyone knows you combined. Right. He's, he's willing to put his hand, his mighty right hand over your, over your head and bless the socks off of you. We can't just gloss over that because, I mean, yes, we all know that God knows us, especially those who believe in him, but it's, it's more significant than we like to put emphasis on. But let's, let's keep going. Let's keep going to the other one. So we got, we got three more truths that we got to hear from God. So we're going to read from verse seven to verse 12. So verse seven begins with, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide to hide me and the light around me to come night, but even in the darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. There is nowhere you can go. There is no sin that can come. There is no sin you can commit that can hide you or push you away from the Lord because the God is pursuing you. That's the second truth right there. God is constantly pursuing you. And yes, that might sound creepy. And in an earthly sense, that would probably be kind of creepy. But in a spiritual sense, his pursuit is nothing But love and to give you grace. Even if you choose not to pursue him back, he's going to constantly pursue you because one, he knows you, right? We already talked about it. He knows who you are. And so he knows what you need. And so he's constantly pursuing you, waiting for you to pursue him back. Because no matter what, no matter who we are, he knows that we need him. We might not know that, but he knows that we need him. So he's going to continue in love and in grace pursue you, waiting for you to pursue him back. I mean, just, and this is another, another characteristic of his pursuit and not a creepy way, but we'll look at verse 10 where it says, even there, your hand will guide me. His pursuit is so that he can guide you. And we're going to talk about that more later, because that's another truth right there. He's going to guide you. And then at the second part of verse 10 and your, and your strength will support me. His pursuit is to protect you. He wants to protect you. He wants to keep you safe. And when we go through the evil parts of life, when we get hit by them, and when we commit them ourselves, he's there and he's there to protect us from even worse stuff. And he's there to protect us from even more evil. And he's there to give us grace. His pursuit is literally defined by love, grace, guidance, and security. His pursuit is filled by love, grace, guidance, and security. That's his pursuit. Now, there's this girl named Mary Ann Bird. She writes kind of her story, and she has an interesting story to where she was born with a cleft lip. So if you don't know what a cleft lip is, it's uh, it's kind of hard to explain, but you don't have a normal kind of thin oval lip, right? Lips. You have one that's or two that have kind of a massive crease in them, right? It just didn't form correctly when you were being formed in your mother's womb. And so it's got a weird shape to it or whatever. Now, Marianne was born with this. And so she kind of speaks on her story about how she was in elementary school, growing up in elementary school. And, I mean, you can only imagine being a kid that has a cleft lip and a pretty severe one at that, you know, with kids that don't know etiquette or anything like that yet. Kids were giving her dirty looks, kids were grossed out by it, kids were calling her names and just being mean, right? Being mean kids. And even full grown adults would stare and would look at her wrong and stuff. And I mean, she was a little kid at this time. And so when, but when a kid would have the nerve to ask her, hey, what happened to your lip? Instead of telling them the truth, she would actually lie. She would lie to them and say, Oh, I just fell on some glass and broke and like, r- you know, ripped my lip and this is how it healed. And the reason why she would lie was because she found out after telling enough of the truth about it, she found out that it was easier for people to accept the lie than it was to accept the truth. No, it was easier for them to realize, oh, you weren't born like this. Oh, this isn't you. This is just something that happened to you. No, it was easier to accept that than to accept you were born that way. You were born different. You were born weird. That's who you are. And so because of this, she felt like the only people that could ever love her was her parents. And so she just kept lying over and over and over again. But luckily in elementary school, there was this teacher that... That everyone loved and that was a very sweet teacher. And they did these things called hearing tests in elementary school where the teacher would whisper something in the kid's ear and the kid would have to repeat it, just to make sure their hearing is, you know, developing right. And so there would be normal phrases like the sky is blue, and the kid would have to repeat, the sky is blue, and say, Oh, you're correct. Pretty simple. I don't know why I'm explaining to you explaining it to you since it's so simple. But uh it was up it was her turn, and the teacher ends up whispering in her ear. I wish you were my little girl. And right then and there, Marianne realized that she wasn't just loved by her parents, but she was also loved by this teacher, which then started the ball rolling. And she explains how that helped her realize the love that God had for her and the pursuit that he had for her whole life. The Lord was pursuing her, and just like we said, that that pursuit is wrapped in love. And so when she realized that the Lord was pursuing her, and that the Lord also loved her, and actually loved her way before her parents did, way before anyone else did, she ended up giving her life to Christ. And it all started rolling because she realized the pursuit of Christ. Again, God's pursuit is in love. He knows you. And so he's definitely going to pursue you because he knows you. He knows who you are. He knows what you need. And he's going to pursue you until you allow him to give that, give what you need to him. And what Mary Ann Byrd needed was to know that she was loved. So he pursued her until she received his pursuit of love. So let's keep going. Verses 13 through 16a. Verse 13 starts, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Now, if you didn't get it, the adverbs in these three verses make it clear as day that what David is saying is that the Lord created you in a mold right? The Lord made a mold and forms you within that mold. Now, what the Lord didn't do is take that mold and start printing out a bunch of different humans. Like, okay, we're going to use the same mold, pop, 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 more humans. There we go. No, he took that mold specifically, made it specifically for you. And then the second you were done, he threw that mold away. God made you and God made you specifically how you are. And he didn't mess up. And he didn't copy and paste you on a bunch of different people. You are specifically you. He made you specific. I mean, we all know this, but look at your thumb. We're going back to a little, to a little elementary school, like, like uh, Marianne Bird, right? We're going to look at her thumb, and we're going to see all the different grooves in your fingerprint, right? There's a bunch of different grooves. They all look a little different. But if you actually take the time to look at it, it's pretty It's pretty fascinating, Now imagine how many people are in the world. There are 7 billion people in this world. The Lord has created 7 billion people. Actually, almost 8 billion. We are very close to 8 billion people. So if you look at that thumbprint, there are 8 billion different thumbprints. Because there's not one thumbprint that has been created more than once. They are all unique and all different to you. So take the time and really like understand what you're looking at right now. You're looking at a -a one-of-a-kind grooves in your thumb. God created that. And he's created 8 billion different ones of them. Another thing, I have literally found this out last week. I ended up taking a picture of my own eyeball. Have you ever looked in the mirror and got really close and looked at your eyeball? Like, looked really close into your eye. And looked at the one, the beautiful colors that can involve in your eyeball. But at the same time, if you look super close and you see your pupil, you see like these woven strands um, coming out of your pupil. And those woven strands are just beautiful, and they're all perfect and unique to you. And the colors that they hold are all unique to you. I mean, especially if you have blue eyes, hazel eyes, green eyes, anything like that, it's going to be very easy for you to see those strands. Now, even if you have dark brown eyes or 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 even darker, almost black eyes, you still have those woven strands, and they're still just as beautiful. But that's unique to you. The Lord created those little woven strands inside your eyeball. I mean, how crazy. Take a, take the time to look at it, honestly. I know I probably sound like a freak right now. But it's, uh, it's amazing to look at. But then, at the same time, he didn't just made you to be physically unique. We also have to take a look at the innards in you. So I don't know if you guys know what a supercomputer is. Obviously, it sounds just what it's like, right? It's a computer that's like, 10 times a regular computer. It's a supercomputer, obviously. So in 2006, they started creating a supercomputer. And who created it was the Department of Energy. The Department of Energy's Los Alanos National Laboratory in New Mexico. I'm so sorry if I butchered that. Um, Los Alanos National Laboratory in New Mexico. Started creating a supercomputer in 2006. Now i ended up getting finished in 2008. So it took two years to build this supercomputer. Let me give you some specs on this supercomputer. It took 36 moving vans full of parts to ship to this, to this laboratory. 36 full moving vans. The size of the laboratory, the size of the, the computer itself, you know, probably like what? A room, a few rooms, right? No, the size of this computer was as big as an ice rink. Big as a legit size hockey rink. And the power it uses is enough to power a small town. So when they're talking about supercomputer, it's like a legit super duper computer. You know what I'm saying? Now, what's it used for? Because it can't just be all that work and be for nothing, right? This computer can perform a quadrillion calculations per second. You heard me correctly. A quadrillion. Yes, that's a real number. A quadrillion calculations per second. Now, and this computer was, was literally built in 2008. So obviously, as time has gone on, there has been more supercomputers built, but this is still in the top 10 supercomputers in the world, the most powerful. To give you some perspective, the supercomputer can do a billion times more calculations than your desktop. Now, let's take a look at what God made. Cause now, cause that's pretty impressive what we made. And that was in 2008. So it's pretty impressive. But let's just take a look and compare it to the human brain, the one that God made, the supercomputer God made. The supercomputer compared to the brain, the brain, okay, let's remember the supercomputer can do what? A quadrillion calculations per second. The human brain can do 10 quadrillion calculations per second, 10 times more than the most efficient computer ever built in 2008. And it still holds the championship as of today. That's how powerful and efficient our brain is. And God made that. And God made you. It's not just all physical. It's not just all physical beauty. He didn't just make you to be physically unique. No, he made you to be physically. He made you to be spiritually unique. Personality unique. Everything about you, everything about who you are is made by God. God. Your personality, your little quirks, the things you like, the things you don't like, the things you want to do with your life, the dreams that you have, those are all made by God. Those are all made by God. And no, you're not a robot. They are still yours. But he made those because he knew you. He knows you. The very first one we talked about, he knows you. He pursued you because of how much he knows you and because of how how beautifully he made you. He made you perfectly unique. So when you ask yourself, who am I? Go to the guy who created you. Go to the God of the universe that created you. Am I worthy? Look at your thumb. Look how unique that is. Look into your eyeball. Look how unique that is. Look at the dreams that you hold. Look at the personality that you have. All those are unique to you for a specific purpose. It's just, it's amazing. I don't know what else to say. Let's keep going. We're going to end it out here with 16b through 18. This is the fourth, the fourth thing, the fourth truth that God gives us to help us get out of that mental quicksand and get out of all those questions that we just keep running on a hamster wheel with, right? So verse 16b, every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, oh God. God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Every day, verse 16b, every day my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day has passed. God has a plan specifically for you. Everything we're talking about is unique to you. God has a specific, specific step-by-step plan that he made for your life when he created you. Now, we, not being robots, being ourselves, we get to pick if we want to follow that plan. But everything we've just talked about, he knows you better than anyone else. He literally made you. That is also why he knows you better than anyone else. He made every little part of you, both spiritually and physically. And he pursues you out of love, grace, protection, and guidance. He's got this perfect plan for you based on all that. And all we have to do is choose to walk on it. Because we have that choice. But we're the only ones that can fulfill that choice and fulfill that plan that he has for us. He literally wakes up with you every morning filled up, ready to go with a new set of mercy and grace and love waiting for you, waiting for you to receive it. How long have you been going in your life without receiving the plan that God has for you, without deciding to walk down that path? We know God's character. We see it in his pursuit of us. So we know that this plan is good. Now, literally, go to episode 10. It's not all rainbows and butterflies. I'm not saying that plan for you, that God has for you, is going to be perfect. Because remember, we still live in a sinful world. But without those sins, we can't grow. And without the pursuit of God filled with love and grace, we'll never make it. But especially if we walk down His plan, His path, and receive His love and grace, then it's going to be so much better. And you're going to know who you are. Right? you're going to get off that little hamster wheel and you're going to actually start going somewhere. You're going to understand who you are. You're going to see who God made you to be. You're going to see how worthy you are. Because you are not worthless. Now, do we deserve anything we receive from Christ? No, we don't. We don't at all. But he's chosen us to be a part of this plan and he's chosen us a specific path for us that we can choose. And right there, that path that he's chosen for you, he's saying you are worthy enough to walk down this path because I've made it for you. And I know you. And I made you. And I've been pursuing you for this long. And I will continue to pursue you until you choose this path. Until your dying day. Again, I'm going to go over these literally one last time. He knows you. He pursues you. He made you. And he's waiting for you to take the path that he's made for you. I got a I got a hundred dollar bill right here. I'm dead serious. This is an actual hundred dollar bill, it's right in front of you. I literally got it at the ATM earlier today. It's a hundred dollar bill. It's pretty cool. The United States of America. Federal Reserve note. Yeah. So how much is this worth? How much is this worth to you? Well, Doug Casper, it's worth a hundred bucks. Yes, of course it's worth a hundred bucks. So it's worth a lot. It's worth a lot. That's a lot of money to a lot of people, right? So it's worth a good amount. And it's all clean and crisp, right? I got it from the ATM, so it's all clean, crisp. There's no creases, there's no edges, there's no dirt. Nice and pretty. Now then what if I do this? What if I fold it up, crinkle it up, mess around with it? Really make it disgusting looking. And okay, let's throw it on the floor. Let's take my boot. Move it around. Step on it. Crush it. Maybe throw it in the trash. Throw it in the trash a couple times. If I had dirt with me, I'd rub dirt on it. But I don't. I'm inside. If I Okay, you might want to close your ears on this one. What if I take my saliva and spit on it? Rub that in there. Sorry, you guys weren't thinking of ASMR, were you? But... Now it's all gross and nasty. It's literally got my saliva on it. It's got all crinkled. It's got my boot dirt on it. It's got whatever was in the trash, which is not clean, obviously, on it. Now how much does it worth? How much How much worth does this have? Yes, it is still worth 100 bucks. It has the same worth it did when it was all nice and pretty as it does now, all crinkled, grossed up, saliva-filled dirt. It's still worth the same exact thing. We are this hundred dollar bill. We are this hundred dollar bill. And I know you've probably heard this analogy before, but you're gonna hear it again. We came out of our mother's wombs all nice. Well, gross. But all clean, all beautiful, ready for life, a perfect, a perfect form of of God's mold for us, right? And then we start to go through life. And life starts to crinkle us up. And life starts to spit on us and throw us around and stomp on us, right? And some of the things we did to ourselves, some of those sins that we that we find in this world, we commit ourselves. But sometimes the sins that come on us aren't our fault. Sometimes we just get hurt. And then we look like this $100 bill that I'm holding in my hand right now. As it looks gross, whatever. But yet, no matter how gross we get, We're still worth the way we came out. We're still worth the exact same. And especially that, and especially to the Lord. The Lord knows our worth. I mean, again, He made us. He knows you. Why do you think He's pursuing you? Because He knows how much you're worth to Him. That's why he's pursuing you so hard. And that's why he's created a beautiful path for you to walk down. So you can realize who you are, realize what you can do, realize all the things that he's blessed you with. And the opportunity to grow and to be better. No matter what you did, you could have lied to someone, you could have hurt somebody, you could have ended things, you could have ruined a marriage. You could have ruined your relationship with your brother, your sister, your your parents, your own kids. Or maybe things happened to you. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you lost a limb, or maybe a few. Maybe someone hurt you really badly. Maybe you look like this $100 bill right now, but yet... God made you specifically in His image. And there's nothing you can do or have done that will stop you from Him pursuing you and pursuing to give you the love, the grace, the security, and the guidance that He wants to give you. All you have to do is reach up and grab His hand and let Him pull you out of that mental quicksand. Let Him answer those questions for you Who am I? Am I worthy? I'm gonna give you an opportunity right now if, if you believe that it is your time. If you believe like now is the time to reach up and grab that hand and receive the salvation that he's asking for, that he's willing to give you. If you if you're willing to grab it right now, then we're gonna pray. We're gonna to pray together. And you're just gonna repeat after me. But you gotta mean it. You gotta mean it. It doesn't-it doesn't mean anything if you don't mean it. We're gonna do it right now. So put, your, put yourself in a posture of receiving in humility. Either on your knees, if you can. Or, or smack down on your face, if you can. With your palms up. But out of respect to this moment, please. Just put your hands together, close your eyes. And repeat after me. Dear Lord. I believe in you. I receive your gift of salvation. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you rose again three days later. I believe that you are the one and only God. And Father, I give my life to you from this day forward. Thank you, Father, for your love. And I will give my love to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you just pray that prayer, you just received your salvation, and now that plan that the Lord has for you, you are ready to hop off that hamster wheel and sprint down the plan that he has for you. This is a beautiful moment. You might be a crinkle dollar bill in my hand right now, but at the same time, you're still worth a 100 bucks. You're still worth a hundred bucks and you are still beautiful in the eyes of the Lord. You know why? Because he created you and he's dang proud of what he created in you. There's not a sin, not anything you could have done or have been done to you that will make him any less proud of you and who you can be on who you are. I'm so happy for you. Go out and celebrate. Literally this is the biggest decision you'll ever make in your life. Go and celebrate the mighty love of the Lord. And go pursue him back. Pursue him by finding a word to get, find the Bible, find one, buy one, and start studying it. Find a community that are all doing the same thing. Find a church that are all doing this that is trying to do the same thing and follow the word. Now remember, when you go find people, there are sinful people struggling just like you are. So no church and no no friends or community are gonna be perfect. But you can walk through the path that the Lord has for you together. I'm so happy for you. I hope you feel loved. I hope you feel pursued by God. Creeper or not, I hope you feel pursued by it. Because he loves you. And I love you. Guys, I'm so thankful that you guys got to listen. Um, I hope this reached some of you. And, man, just thank you. I hope you get to hear me again. um, If that is the Lord's leading. So, thank you guys. Have a great day.